for me, that is the most important thing is knowing what I'm, why I'm here, what I'm doing. Um, and reminding myself of that day in and day out. Are you a woman who's considered investing in a franchise or running one yourself? Are you searching for honest information to help you make the best decision for your future? Have you ever worried about whether the information you're finding has your best interests in mind? We're here to help. Welcome to Franchise Rising. I'm your host, Aaron Carpenter. Let's get going. Welcome to the Franchise Rising podcast. This is the show where experts, franchisees, and franchisors share stories, strategies, and expert advice for women who want to join or invest in a franchise. The information on this show is not intended as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy a franchise and is for information purposes only. If you've been listening and enjoy the show, we'd love it if you spread the word. Tell a friend, subscribe, share it on social media. We're pretty much everywhere at Franchise Rising. And don't hesitate to give us feedback about guests we can bring on and how we can make the show better. You can do all of this by visiting FranchiseRising.com and dropping a note in the chat pane. Hey, welcome back to the Franchise Rising podcast. I am so thrilled today to have two fabulous co-owners of a franchise called Fit for Mom. So many of you young moms may have heard heard of this. I know I have, and I'm sorry to say that I actually never did participate, and I wish I would have because, gosh, it would have saved me. But uh, nevertheless, we have uh, the co-owners, Michelle Lewis and Sarah Mooser, and they are the co-owners of Fit for Mom, the franchise in the Bay Area. And ladies, which specific area of the Bay? We, op- we operate from San Carlos down to Mountain View, Los Altos area. Okay, cool. I was born in Burlingame. Oh, yeah. And, and I have some family in that area as well. So great area. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I just, I can't wait to hear more about how you arrived where you are and what this journey has looked like and share this with the audience as well. Let's go ahead and get started. How on earth did you, did you get to this point? Like, tell us about your journey to becoming a franchise owner. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I was a teacher a long time ago, and um, I taught English as a second language to adults and then kids. Um, and then I decided I wanted to leave the education world. At that time, I was coaching a run club and a swim team. Um, and I continued working out and doing triathlon throughout my master's program. I went and got a master's in communications. And then we moved to the Bay Area and I was pregnant. So I was kind of in, I was in this situation where I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And I had a lot of decisions to make. So I gardened while I was pregnant. (laughs) I designed my own backyard. Um, But then I had my daughter and I was kind of lost and feeling a little bit restless, you know, so I had a four month old at home and I needed to do something. Um, And I was, you know, looking around at different ideas, things that I could do. I thought I could edit because I had done a lot of, you know, editing as a teacher 
and I had edited my husband's PhD thesis, um, or his dissertation, I should say. Um, so I end up getting invited to this class and, uh, I knew that the person was selling the, the, the business when I went. Um, and when I went, I thought, uh, I don't know. The class was really fun. And I just realized it was an opportunity that I should look into and understand a little bit more. And I told her, I'm, I actually just thought I have to do this right then. Um, so really it was kind of a timing thing for me. I had all of this back, all of this background and different things and didn't know how it would all come together, but honestly, it's kind of come together um, in a very interesting way. So something inside of you just resonated, just connected with that. So when that opportunity came up. Yeah. I mean, I thought it's going to fill the need of, I need something to do with myself. I have a fitness background, so I have something to offer here. Even though I was a swimmer and a runner and a triathlete, I thought strength training, I would be able to learn it. I did not know what I was getting into. <laughs> Ooh, I, I really didn't. That. Yeah, I did not know what a business was or how it would look or anything. So this was very much just an opportunity to teach a class right? Um, at first. Yeah. So never in your wildest dreams did you imagine buying a business? As no, and in fact, I actually said to myself, I am not an entrepreneur. I will oh. never own my own business. I'm not oh. that kind of person. That is what I, I said to myself. Oh. I don't remember when. I must have been in my 20s or something when I thought that, but I remember distinctly having that thought. Wow. And so many of us struggle with this, whether or not we think we're, gonna, we're an entrepreneur. I know I did in college where I'm like, what? I mean, and then also upon having my child, what the heck am I going to do? And so you start Googling, you talk to people, you might go to career coaches, you might, um, you know, take a Myers-Briggs assessment. And then, you, you know, you look at what that matches up, matches you up with professionally. And it's, and I found, and I've heard from a lot of other women in our shoes is it's really tricky to find something that fits the mold of a being flexible because mm -hmm. we, most of us, not all, I mean, we want, to be flexible with young kids, especially, right? We'd like to earn some money that's, you know, makes a, a solid contribution to the family and something that we're passionate about. So a lot of the things that are provided once we take those tests or what we find in the Google searches just don't line up with it. So it's, yeah, that, that's what I've discovered. So I love to hear how this just kind of came up. Uh, yeah. That's okay. So then what? Then what happened? Is this where Michelle comes in or? Well, you yeah. know, I have my similar path up until the point. I was in finance. Um, I had been since I graduated from college. So I don't know, something like 12 years in finance. Mm -hmm. And I was also, um, I had just given birth to Savannah, who's also four months old. And we were both invited to this class um, as part of our play group. I didn't want to go back to my job because I wasn't loving it and I couldn't imagine leaving her for it, but I was going to, I was, I knew I, I knew I wanted to do something. So I'd gotten them to agree to part-time and um, I was going to go back. And then I went to this class and she was selling the franchise. Um, like Sarah said, and the same thing, I was like, I could do that. 
I mean, then I wouldn't have to go back. I don't want to go back anyway. My dad has run a bunch of different companies. So I had that kind of spirit in me. Um, but I also didn't think I could do it by myself. So there was this like, mm, I didn't know about Sarah when I was thinking all these things. Um, and I also had a little bit of me that didn't know if I could run a business on my own, but the idea of it being kind of a cookie cutter thing where someone would give me a lot of the parts seemed easier. And my dad had run franchises. So I understood how franchises worked, which helped a lot. I think helped both of us a lot. Um, so I, I went home and talked to my husband and he was on board. So I sent everything to my dad and he thought it was awesome. And Sarah and I met and we liked each other. So, and at the time there was a third person involved, but. Okay. So both of you became aware that there was this franchise for sale and both of you expressed interest in the opportunity. And then what happened to the person say, oh, well, we got two people who are interested. And then did it just kind of organically come together like that? No, yeah, so- and, and she had had three people interested. We all three, three met and right. we all three started down the road signing paperwork. And then um, like two months later ended up or a month later and she ended up backing out the third person, which was in the end, like something Sarah and I in, in the back of our minds had both kind of hoped would right. happen. Um, and, supposed to. Yeah. yeah. And the corporate office was not even a big fan of us being a partnership. They didn't have any. Mm. Um, at least I don't think so, Sarah. Did they have any at the time? I don't know. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't attend the business piece of uh, our training and I don't know, you know, you, you had more of the conversations around that. So, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but we came into it, not friends with very different skill sets, which is, I think definitely why it became what it is, but both of us really just thought we were teaching a class and having fun with our kids. That's awesome. Okay. So this was how long ago now? So, so we signed contracts uh, in November. Well, that would have been eight years ago this November. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's impressive. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, and then, so Sarah, you said you had no idea what you were getting into. You weren't sure what you were getting into. Can you dive a little more into that? I'm, I'm really curious to hear what are some of the things that caught you by surprise, both on the, pro, in the pros and cons. Well, I mean, I think, you know, those first three years were very hard. Um, It was slow growing. We didn't know what we were doing. And our franchise at the time did not offer a lot of um, help. I think that they gave us kind of a bare bones training. And we had a little bit of a community that we could reach out to. And at the same time, it, we had, it was Michelle and me. And so we kind of put our heads together and did as much as we could together. And, in, and I think um, that was great. And it helped us in a lot of emotional ways. But it also kept us from reaching out to the greater community a little bit. And so I think that we grew more slowly than we could have. Um, but we didn't know, right? Because at that time, so Fit for Mom has gone through huge changes since we bought at the beginning mm-hmm. and it's it's a different company now um in terms of what they offer so when we when we started it just was nothing and and that's why we didn't know because and i especially didn't know because i didn't have you know business background or anybody to kind mm-hmm. of give me a sense of what 
to even expect. Um, and Michelle and I talked, of course, but I still didn't really know. Um, and so we were just like struggling along small classes, trying to figure out locations and hearing people talking about things like grand openings, but kind of being like, ah, <laughs> that's too much energy. We're not going to do it. Let's go um, it. Yeah. And so, you know, it was a lot of slow growth um, and it was hard. And I don't, I wasn't, I didn't know that that was going to happen. Um, but in the, in the time, in, the, in those three years, we developed a, a community and we developed, you know, things started moving and we started seeing more people coming and, and the things that we started to see were valuable for us were getting imparted to others. And suddenly it was, it was growing into something bigger yeah. than just our little tiny classes where there was lots of effort and nothing happening. Um, and so we started to see this kind of business emerge. I'm glad that you pointed out that, that part about the community, because that's something that, you know, it, I operate another uh, marketing agency, but we talk about with our clients is the power in building communities for a business and a brand. And if you have a concept that caters to that, you know, that component for, of, of your customer base, that's going to help tremendously. And I, in fact, gosh, last week I was out to dinner with a couple of women who were in, are instructors with Fit for Mom. And one of the things that they pointed out is, you know, for, for their, for their um, you know, for the, for the moms that attend or customers, guests, what, what, do we, what do we call them at Fit for Mom? Clients. Clients. Okay. So for the clients, they said, you know what? It's not even about the exercise. It's about the camaraderie and the people you meet. And for us all who have been young moms, we know what that's like, the feeling of isolation. So if you can walk into that environment and feel that community, that's powerful. And then for you as franchisee owners, if, you're, if you are creating that, that environment in which women can connect, that's, I can see how that can blossom once it gets going. Absolutely. Yeah, we need that. I mean, it's what we're all about, really. Community is what we're about first. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. So what are, so can you give me some um, examples of some of the things that you do to foster that community within, within the company? Yeah. So we do have outside activities for the classes um, right. and, and that we have play groups, mom's night outs, that sort of thing. And that does some to foster, I think. Um, but I think Sarah and I both try to be a big part in our own community and use that to bring clients in Um you know, we always try to do a good job of making sure we recognize clients in and around town, um, connecting with local businesses. Uh, but but mainly, like when our class doesn't start at nine thirty and end at ten thirty. Mm. Okay. When a woman gets there, the first one, we want the instructor to be there, ready to welcome her into the class. Right. And you know, stay until they're kind of kind of dwindling at the end, or at least for the newer clients, you mm -hmm. want to, you want them to feel like someone's inviting them in. So mm -hmm. we do, you know, pay our instructors to be there before and be there a little bit after, because that's a big part of, of our whole class is mm -hmm. that you feel welcome and you feel invited back right. to the class at the end. No, that's huge. So um, for you, Michelle, was it everything that you expected? Well, we heard a little <laughs> bit about Sarah's expectations and, and the challenges that you faced in the first few years. 
Uh, so it sounds like there was a three-year turning point, if you will. Yeah, and it, it's kind of interesting. Oh, go ahead. I mean, it was. It's kind of interesting that at three years was a turning point for us because it was also when we had our second children. Oh, perfect. So perfect. not only was it a turning point, but it was like a. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, definitely the three years was the first three years was the hardest. I think corporate started, but we became more involved in the corporate offices, communications, and connection with them. Sarah did a great job of building a relationship with other franchisees in our area, which helped us a lot. Um, We felt kind of isolated from San Diego and everyone close to them seemed to be doing so great, but it was because they had access to San Diego and we didn't. So Sarah started building this community of franchises up here, which helped a lot. And I think that's all part of the turning point. Um, As far as my expectations of what this was going to be, I just wanted something fun to do. Um, I did I did not, like Sarah, think this was going to be a real business. And so for the first couple of years, I don't think we tried to make it that either. Right. Because that's not what we that's not what we thought it was going to be. Right. And then when we saw other franchisees making businesses, it was like, oh, <laughs> maybe we should do that. We can make something real. Seems here. like a good idea. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'd make more money. Um And the surprises that came out of going that direction were like having staff and them happy and like being concerned about our finances and making sure we were doing everything right now that we were actually making money. Wow. I would say that those changes are actually pretty recent, honestly. Wow. Um, And I wanted to also point out that I think the expectation when we, when we bought was different than it is now. Um, and the models of the people who we saw doing the businesses had small, you know, a lot of the people around us had pretty small businesses Mm -hmm. and, um, um, so we didn't really think about growing it very big. It was a lot, it was a hobby to other people. So I, I thought that was that culturally it was interesting that way. Um, now, and then it sort of morphed and we did see at we went to conference and we started hearing stories about people who had bigger businesses and that's when I think we also started expanding and then at that three-year mark we had to sign a new lease or not a lease um, but sign a new contract and I moved mm-hmm. about 20 miles away mm. from our starting place so it was a very big like and I was pregnant so we had to make some big decisions at that point. Um, like and what? I think, well, we had to decide to sign again. Mm-hmm. We had to decide, I had to decide, do I want to drive to San Carlos, 30-minute drive to teach a class? And I definitely did not. Yeah, we didn't own all the territory that we do now back then. We just mm-hmm. owned San Carlos Redwood City. So we had to make a decision to, to expand or something else. Um, and so that was a huge turning point, I think, because I actually made the decision to get a nanny and work full time because I knew that if we were expanding, it would take a lot more energy, a lot more time because of that, before that I was, I had a nanny, but you know, it was like just a few hours here and there and then preschool for my daughter. Um, so I just think that's kind of an interesting, that period of time right there and that 
there was also the change in the home office, the corporate office. There was a little bit more um, training starting to happen then. And then in the last few years, honestly, it's grown in exponential ways at the Fit for Mom office. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, all of those things have really fed into us and uh, into our perspective about the business. We needed the training. And if we didn't, we didn't have the training, we didn't even know what to even ask, I think. So how many territories do you own now? We have one territory, but we own, it's zip codes. So we own Ah. 10, 10 different zip codes, I think. 10 different zip codes. Okay. Amazing. And then how many franchisees did Fit for Mom have when you started and how many do they have now? I don't know the number when we started. Do you, Sarah? I feel like it's stayed around the same number pretty much the whole time that we've been. And there's a lot of in and out, um, Mm -hmm. but the, the structure that they've sold is very different. Mm, Um, And now I think people are staying around longer because the business is more viable. Right. And the support systems are more structured. It sounds like. Absolutely. There's about 360, I think now. Um, And and I do bet there was a big jump around that middle of our time. I think there was, I think it was, I think it was closer to 200 when we joined. And I think there was a big jump. I, I, again, I don't know for sure. I didn't realize Um, it was 360 because I, it it was 300 for a long time. So around 300. Yeah. They've signed up a lot of new franchises, but like Sarah said, there also is some of those women that were there early on that just did this for a hobby aren't finding the same heart that they started with. They, They aren't finding that, is the same for them. And so there is some older franchises that are, that are leaving, but I always say to a new person who comes like a new potential franchisee who comes to ask Sarah or I questions, like it's so much easier to be a franchisee now than it was when we started. Mm -hmm. Like you, you get so much. And I think if we had known back then that we wanted a business and for someone who's franchising now, that's a super important thing to know. What are you going to get out of this? Um, mm. what kind of support are you going to get? Cause we didn't, we didn't care. Right. And what kind of support? Cause I was thinking if I'm coming into this to buy a franchise in general, I may not even know what support is enough and versus what's not for me. That's a blank, you know, that's just one word. Absolutely. So what kind of support should you be getting in mm-hmm. your, in your opinion? Well, specific. I mean, the, the day, the, for me, it's night and day. When we started, there was just no business strategy. Uh-huh. Um, I think really for us, the, the thing that made the biggest difference was training and sales. So okay. getting training, like training in very specific um, aspects of business that will help take your business from zero to 60, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think that the sales piece of it is so important and it was something that was missing. We really only got that in the last couple of years made a huge difference. And, and the whole franchise changed because of that. So just before this, we literally, I just literally interviewed someone who's going to be on the show. Her name's Violet Rainwater and that is her specialty. And she talked about how that's one of the things you need to look for are franchises that have sales processes and sales systems 
dialed in and in place, at least to some degree. They may have amazing branding and marketing, but there's the then what piece. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, it's just intra, just literally back to back. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We doubled after we took sales training. Yeah. Within, I think it was a short period of time, two to three months, we doubled sales. Wow. Like, it was just, we needed some very, it, it was the basics. And it's funny because we didn't even think to learn, you know, you just don't know the questions to ask. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think what you're doing is great. I think I love it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the goal. Hopefully it's helpful. So yeah. this is like, I, I really, really commend you ladies for doing this. I, um, my question, my, I'm really curious, where do you guys see yourselves going with this? Like, what are, what are some of your goals that you're willing to share? That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a whole host of different things. Yeah. Um, I see, you know, we can take this deeper. Okay. And bigger. Yeah. Uh, right now we have already, you know, we expanded our team from like three people to, we have 20 Ten? people, something oh, yeah. like that. If you count all of the people all of them. and yeah. they're not working full time, these are all people working, you know, like teaching a couple classes and, um, so instructors but, mostly, some of them are instructors. Some of them are, are helping us with our business side and nobody's working more than 10 hours a week. Yeah, one of the big things we did in the last year was hire people to help us do some of the things that aren't the things we do the best or that because something that we do better requires our time, we found someone that can do it as, as good or better than we thought we could do it. So uh, one of the, the big things last year, because our sales boomed, was following our CRM platform and keeping up with it. Um, (laughs) Managing those new customers was a huge, huge task. I spent three hours every day just going through the pipeline and hiring someone to do that was like, let me focus on finances, which is harder to find someone to do. So that's right in your sweet spot because that's kind of what you used to do, (laughs) right? Yes. Yeah. I I mean, it takes a lot of courage for for any of us business owners to finally say, you know what, there are people who can do this job better than us. Let's, we don't need to wear that hat. Let's relinquish some control and bring in someone in to do that. And then the other thing is it's so common, regardless of the business, for people to just let their CRM kind of collect (laughs) dust. People in sales, outside of sales, it's it requires some behavior change to really get in there and follow a process if you have a process and you know adhere to that. So, oh, that's 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 fantastic. That's exciting. Um, Just a quick quick question because I caught something in your LinkedIn profile, Sarah, about you being on one of the advisory councils. Is that correct? Yeah, I was part of the franchisee advisory council for two terms. Oh, good. So we, we've had a couple of guests on, one in particular, Denise Kelly, and she uh, has a lot of experience in the franchise world in Canada, and she talked about advisory councils and how important they can be for franchises. So, hey, when I saw Sarah's part of it, I want to hear just a little bit more about what that means for you and how that can be helpful in the system. Well, it's interesting because, you know, first of all, we are a business partnership and um, 
I was, I was the kind of person who ended up doing the Franchisee Advisory Council, but it ended up, be, ended up becoming this research project for both of us in the end um, because our Franchisee Advisory Council was ineffective mm-hmm. for the first term. And I had no idea, once again, I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. I knew that I wanted to be helping um, and I could see that the group wasn't helping and I just didn't know how to even speak up. Um, you know, so um, the second time around, I basically at the very end of my term said to the person who was in charge of helping the program, like move on. I said, you know, this is bad. And I did not feel like I, my voice got heard and I didn't feel like I did anything. We need to do something different. And it turned out that a couple of other people on the council also felt the same way. Hmm. Um, And so I don't, not everybody got chosen to, to continue on, even though there were a few people who could have. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, then we, we tried to trans retransform it into something that was useful for the franchisees Mm -hmm. um, and didn't do the like requisite homework on what a franchisee advisory council should be um, until after that one and a half year term. But I can tell you that that second time through was so much better. And we, we provided, I was on the mentor committee and what we decided to do was help bring in franchisee voices to certain topics that people were not knowledgeable about, or there were, there were these franchisees who had kind of mastered different things who could share their wisdom. Um, so it became a teaching kind of platform, which is perfect for you, given that you have a background then. Yeah. And I was, I was really mostly just moderating groups um, and and finding the people, but it was so, so amazing. Yeah. Uh, It's something we're still working on today, trying to help make even though we're not on the Franchisee Advisory Council, um, because we have my dad who has worked with many Franchisee Advisory Councils, like we're trying to use some of that knowledge to impart to the corporate office and see if we can't make it even better, even though we're not on it. I mean, because now we need it. We're not on it. So we don't have a voice at all. And we want to be able to know what they're doing. And that's the thing. That's the part that's missing now, I think, Mm. that, the franchisees don't really know how to use the franchisee advisory council. So we're not. And right. Well, and I think that there's complications in terms of the franchise or sort of trying to figure out what they want the franchisee advisory council to do. Um, and there's that interplay and I don't really know what it looks like in other, in other organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even just education, I think education around what a franchise advisory council is, is kind of important maybe for a whole franchise to be thinking about. And we're going to have to add a topic to <laughs> and find someone who's just an expert in that. So we can, uh, we can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, it'd be so amazing. Yeah. So um, just one quick, so you're, you've talked about conferences and I'm curious because we've had another guest, Aubrey Codier, on talking about the importance of going to conferences and networking. Mm-hmm. Do you just go to Fit for Mom conferences or do you attend any other franchise conferences with people from other brands? 
we you know time is of the essence we have little kids so uh, sarah i know you've done a couple i've just been to one other conference outside of fit for mom um it's it's a hard thing to set aside my husband travels a lot so for me to get the time to go to a conference and to find the right one to go to has been the thing that's been holding me back i think um it's, you know, networking is absolutely important. And, and I think we would be able to master some business skills, management skills, um, d- team building skills that we would like to, if we were able to go to more things um, nice. than just the Fit for Mom conference. But, you know, we are hoping to get some of that out of the franchise too, from the corporate office. I know they're looking, always looking for ad- advice from us on what, types of things we need to know and they're trying to filter that in. So, and Sarah, you've been to some other conferences, IDEA, IDEA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I have not gone to another franchise conference. I didn't really even know they exist. <laughs> um, and I have been to, you know, fitness related conferences. Mm-hmm. So I, the things that I've gone to have been, more specific in terms of skills. You know, I went to a writing conference. I went to, um, and even writing is something, you know, we can use a blog as, as a piece of our um, business. So I went to that thinking about that. Um, I, I attended a meditation course. Yeah. Um, because meditation is part of our programming. Love it. These are things that have been inspired by our business um, but also personal. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done, I haven't done a lot of business related, um, conferences. Michelle, you just went to one, the business, the QuickBooks one. Yeah. 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 That's the one I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is hard because I feel like if you're, if you only go to them once a year, right you're not really sure what to get out of it. I tried to do some research. I talked to my husband, he goes to conferences like <laughs> once a month. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, what am I supposed to try to get out of this? Right. Got to um, go with a goal in mind. Yeah. And I, I felt like I got somewhere, but one, I just think you have to go more um, in order to get used to how to use a conference. Mm, mm, yeah. No, good point. Good point. We'll have to have a, could have another show. Well, well, who knows about on, on the best way to make a conference effective, who knows, <laughs> or an article. No, that's great. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're with a brand that's highly engaged and motivate, motivated to get better, to get feedback from you all. And I think it's, it's probably important to, my, to keep in mind that no concept or brand is perfect. And that's important. We are in business for ourselves, but not by ourselves, right? And you guys are doing a spectacular job and such an inspiration. Uh, seriously. So I'd like to turn it back and give you guys a little love. What do you guys have going on in the San Carlos area that you can, uh, you can talk about and we can maybe spread the word. I think one of the programs that still needs more attention is our prenatal program fit for baby. Okay. And over, we've only had it since last October, September time. I'm not quite sure. I remember the date that we started, but it's been, it's really one of the ways we market our other programs is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And when you see a mom and a child in a stroller or a mom with older children, it's easy to know that they could be potential clients, but finding a pregnant client is a little bit harder right? because <laughs> you don't want to be wrong. 
<laughs> when you approach them on the street. Yep. And by the time you know you're right, they're so close to the end that they're not sure they want to start something new. Um, hospitals have not been super helpful and easy to access. So in some areas, Fit for Mom is able to use hospitals, but the local hospitals here just, we haven't gotten in yet. Um, we have a great program. We have wonderful instructors. The class sizes are still small, but they're completely, these women, our instructors are completely dedicated to these prenatal women mm-hmm. who don't know what they can and can't cannot do. There's not a lot out there. There's not a lot of support from your doctor about what you can do because only what you can't do um, because they want to be on the safe side. Um, so fit for baby, we teach it twice a week in one location right now in Redwood City. And um, we would love to have a lot more mamas in that class. Love it. Okay. That sounds like a great program. I'd like to look a little more into it, though. I have no baby in my tummy right now. <laughs> Not that I know of anyway. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, fantastic. Thanks for sharing it. So just before we wrap up, I'd love to ask you to the few questions I like to ask all of our guests. So first one, and we can, uh, we can go back and forth. What's the best business advice you've ever received? Who wants to go? I will. All right, let's go, Michelle. Uh, comes from our sales coach last year. Make sure you invite clients back. Ah, simple. Yep. But I think it changed our world a little bit. Wow. I love that. I love that. So simple. Sarah? Um, know your why. Mm. Yeah. I think knowing the purpose, what you're doing, for me, that is the most important thing, is knowing what I'm, why I'm here, what I'm doing, um, and reminding myself of that. Day in and day out. Okay. Yeah. And I would add on to that just that's the most important thing in building the community, right? If you don't know why you're doing it, it's really hard to invite people to be included in it. Mm. Um, And then filtering that down to your team has has been something that we've tried to focus a lot on the why. No, that makes really good sense. So, what advice would you give another woman considering buying or joining a franchise? You've given much, but let's, there's anything else. I think it goes back to making sure you you know what you're getting. And that that's what I wrote down in response to um, the question when I was thinking about it ahead of time. Um, it didn't matter to us what we had expected out of it, although it would have been a lot more successful early on. But to at least know what we were getting and what even if we didn't know what we were expecting to come out of the end product – um, probably would have also helped us grow a little bit faster. Sure, sure. That's good. Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I think learn about other franchises and, you know, take some time to research what is out there and learn what kinds of training they have for mm-hmm. their their franchisees. Um, because if you're going in, we had a really low risk investment and that's why we could do do it the way that we did it um now it's it's a little bit higher risk slightly and i think you know it's worth taking the time to learn about what else is out there just so that even if you know that's what you want to do um 
just so that you know what else other places offer. And it's very similar to what Michelle just said. Right. It's easy to get emo- emotionally in- attached to one opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes good sense. All right, so finally, besides you two, what other franchisees, female franchisees, do you know who are who are crushing it or rocking it? So many. <laughs> okay. Any specifics? Um, Michelle, who do you want to say? Is there somebody? Well, I can think of one. I mean, I don't, we all, to be honest, I only know Fit for Mom franchisees. That's I know it. a couple licensees outside of Fit for Mom. Um, but there's one clear early on name in Fit for Mom, Takara Bullock, um, mm-hmm. has really rocked everybody's, like, she's just showing every, she's, she's giving a lot and mm-hmm. she's doing a lot. So she's really helping other franchisees within Fit for Mom and she's rocking it. And she's three years in yesterday, I think. That's or fantastic. This weekend, I, think. I love it. So inspiring. Yeah. Anyone else, did anyone else you want to share, Sarah? I mean, there's a list. So there's Aaron Haug in Seattle. Um, there's um, Katie Taylor, who is also in Washington. There's Lisa Wilder in Chicago. These, these people own larger size. Uh, yeah. and Jessica Peralta in older. Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are all people we reach out to and try to learn from and try to share with when we can. Jill Jones in Denver. Yeah. That's yeah. great. It's been really helpful. Great to have that support community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much. That's so, such great information. Really appreciate it. And I know our audience will love to hear your story. So I, I do appreciate it. All right. Thank you, ladies, so much. Can you, can you tell the audience where they can find you? If they have questions, uh, comments, thoughts? So our email address is sfpeninsula at fitformom.com. And it's the number four in the middle at the end there. Um, and our website is sfpeninsula.fitformom.com. Perfect. Thanks so much. I know that time is one of the precious things you don't get back. And I really appreciate you taking your time to listen to the Franchise Rising podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more, hit subscribe, or if you don't know how to subscribe, just go to franchiserising.com slash subscribe, and we'll guide you to the right place there. Until next time, have a great week.